Welcome, everyone. This is Ashley Ellenboss with Sky House Herb School, and I'm joined by Rukmini Walker. Welcome, Rukmini. Thank you so much. So good to be here. So today we're going to be talking about love and the heart as part of our devotional mysticism and plant teacher series. And for the month of February, we thought it'd be a really good idea to talk about the journey of the heart. And there's so much we can unpack and so much we can explore within this context and this topic. So um, we're really excited to dive in. Now, if you haven't listened to any of our other episodes, we are we have a growing library of different topics we've explored from looking at the wondrous world of the roots and how those are a great teacher and example of spiritual community and going underneath the surface into um, you know, deeper understandings and ways of looking at things. We have a lecture on the rose and exploring the medicine and symbolism of the rose. So if you want to go back and listen to any other episodes, please do. You can find it on my YouTube channel, Sky House Herbs, under the devotional mysticism and plant teachers playlist. You can also find it on Rukmini's YouTube channel at Rukmini Walker. So please do have a look there. Please do just please subscribe to our channels. If you like our content, please like and share our videos as well as that helps us to spread the word and the work uh, that we're doing together. So um, thank you so much, Rukmini, for joining us. And would you open us with some prayers? Thank you. I would love to. Heart opening prayers. Namaste Sarasate Devi Goravani Pracharine Nirvishesha Sanyavadi Paschati Deshatarine Manchaka Patarubyascha Kripasindu Vaivacha Patitanam Pavani Vyo Vishnavibyo Namonamaha Jai Shri Krishna Jaitana Prabhunityananda Shri Advaita Garadhar Shiva Sadhikora Bhakta Vindam Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare Thank you so much Rukmini and I just notice how, you know, we put our hands to our heart when we pray, you know, our thumbs touch into that heart space. It's mm -hmm. it's such a place of grounding. Um, and, you know, we'll talk about grounding and trust and all of these things that are qualities of the heart. Um, will you start us off? Kind of what, what are your thoughts? What would you like to open the conversation with in matters of the heart? Sure. Well, the first thing I was thinking was that... Um, you know, all over the world in, in ancient times, more more ancient times, they, um, people have gone on pilgrimage. And um, they've gone to journey by walking, like a walking meditation, uh, to some holy place. And 
you know, in, in, in India, there are so many pilgrimage places, um, going to the source of the Ganges or many such holy places, or also going around holy places. Um, we go around the holy Tulsi plant in reverence to Tulsi. We go around the sacred Govardhan hill. So the idea of this, um, really, it's a journey to the center of the heart, I feel, um, these pilgrimages. Uh, and, and it's meant for opening the heart. Um, yeah, med a walking meditation journey, because the heart is the seat of the soul. That's where my real self lives beyond the ego. My real self, my real soul lives in the heart. And, and the path I follow, the path of bhakti yoga, has been defined as an opening of the heart or a softening of the heart. It's described as um, upasana or meditation that's been saturated with priti or love. So I love, love that description. So this is, you know, heart-centered yoga practice that um, that's so so important and so beautiful. Yeah, and and as you were speaking about the pilgrimage and the circumambulation. I had this sort of sister image pop up of the heart and how, you know, all the arteries and veins, it's like the circumambulation, right? Mm -hmm. All coming back to the heart, like the blood goes out to the farthest limbs, but where does it come back? It comes back to the heart. Yeah, and it's, yeah. it's so interesting that we often have to do that in life. It's like, we have to leave home. We have to journey out beyond the edges of what's you know, central or has, you know, our small world, we have to make these pilgrimages. Um, journey out. I, come journey out. In. Journey yeah. out to find myself, right? Because when I'm in all snugly in my home, everything, maybe it becomes a bit hackneyed or I take it for granted. So when I journey out with just the, the minimum, minimal, uh, maybe, it, you know, caring. I always remember the Russian pilgrim I read about when I was a teenager, um, he, he just had a loaf of bread and a bag of salt, and and uh, he was chanting the Jesus prayer. So that was his pilgrimage of the heart. So to journey out to, to come further within, I think, is beautiful. Yeah, and it reminds me, too, of um, Radhanath Swami's book, Who Follows the Path of Bhakti. Mm -hmm. And, you know, his, his pilgrimage when he left the United States and traveled to Europe and, you know, by foot mostly and a little bit of train. But, yeah, he carried such simple things. He just, you know, once he, you know, he just one by one gave away a vest, you know, gave away a scarf, gave away his hat. Like, one by one, he just started letting go of more and more things that, um, yeah, were, were not necessary on his journey yeah, and he to was, the heart. He was carrying a bag of precious books that he'd collected. And at one point that bag was stolen and he had to internalize the knowledge that he'd been carrying in that bag of books. And when you mentioned him, the first thing I thought was how he broke the hearts of his parents oh. by taking that journey. He was supposed to be on a summer off from college in, in Europe with a friend. And he decided to pursue his, you know, the journey of his deepest heart by going to find um, spiritual knowledge in India. He, he heard a voice directing him to go to India, but it broke his parents' heart hearts. And so I was thinking of, you know, thinking of seeds and how every seed has to break its container in order to sprout, right? Yeah. So sometimes we have to break um, break the hearts of those um, who are so close to us to, to grow into 
an un, the un, unknown person, unseen person that I'm meant to be, you know, yeah. or break my own conceptions of my own, who I am, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's that beautiful Anais Nin quote where she says something along the lines of the day came where the risk to say tight in my bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and and you know, it's like I think, you know, we 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 hit this place in adolescence, you know, we all do that restlessness where we just it's just painful to stay in the small world. We know there's more out there. And so, you know, <clears throat> if we if we are wise or we've been given, you know, good mentors along the way, you know, we have a sense of how far out to go and what kind of risks to take. Mm. Um, and, you know, if we don't, you know, certainly we can place ourselves in, in danger, you know? Um, it, so true. So true. You know, that adolescent growth where the adolescent becomes the skeptic and distrusts everything that they've known and loved before. That's such an important and healthy growth, isn't it? Because yeah. if the adolescent remains a child and remains that always that trusting child, trusting, uh, you know, my mama and my and my papa, then um, then that that shell doesn't further break open, right? Yeah. I, re- I you're reminding me of a dear friend of mine. Um, his name is Vasudev. He he's the uh, conducts the worship at Bhakti Center at the Bhakti Center in New York, and he's Dutch. And the Dutch have always been explorers. And he has a childhood story that I heard from his mother that when he was a little boy, he he said to his mother, I'm going out to explore the wide, wide world. I'll be back at four o'clock. Oh, <laughs> I love that. Wow. Yeah. Cause we need that. We need that freedom. You know, it's I, I think we have to break through those barriers and what's comfortable to find more parts of ourselves. You know, I feel like for me in my 40s now. It's like <clears throat> I just reached a place of of comfort within. It's like I I've been able to through my practices find home. Like I'm so tethered to my heart now that I can go into all these little rooms I've never felt brave enough to go into and say, "Oh, look, there's a part of me. I'm going to go in." Like, you know, it's it's like, you know, you have this 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 lifeline back to where your center is. And when you have that, you can venture out further and further That's because beautiful. you know, you know, you know that there's a safe, there's safety um, waiting for you back at home. That's beautiful. You know, what you're reminding me of is that um, there's a metaphor of the heart that, uh, you know, you, uh, going deeper within is about deep hearing, right? So the heart within the word heart is the word ear, E-A-R, Right. So when we can, and we have two ears and one mouth, which means to me that we're meant to be listening twice as much as we're meant to be speaking. And so what I heard heard you say just now is because you're trusting that that inner voice, you're able to venture out. So, you know, the heart like that, you know, the heart. Like two, ears. two ears. Two ears with the heart in the middle, you know, it's such, such a beautiful metaphor. Oh, I love that. Trusting trusting that inner voice and then being out to reach out to hear other voices. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And whenever, you know, the, the word heart also has the word earth in it. And I think this is, um, you know, kind of what our listeners to this, this idea of like nature as teacher. So we've have ear, we have heart. And then if we loop the word heart all the way around itself, make it into a circle. And when we start with the word E, we have the word earth. 
<laughs> so heart earth we also have the word art you know mm-hmm. i i have an, an artist friend of mine who said you know what's the point of earth with no art <laughs> you know and it's in there it's right in the middle so yeah there's something that's so connected about all of these things but i i, I yeah if, if we don't have the ears first right yeah. to trust and to listen it's really hard to, it's really hard to, to go anywhere with that. Right. Right. And I love the image of truth and beauty being kindred souls, you know, yeah. always, um, you know, always beauty in, in service to truth. And yeah. And nature has so much of that beauty, doesn't it? To help us. So many lessons, so yeah. many lessons, lessons in beauty, lessons in art. So it's beautiful it, to me. It's, it's science com- combined with art. It's both science, the science of the earth, but the art, art of living on the earth, uh, treading lightly, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I was thinking that the, um, I was thinking about how the Upanishads describe that, that there are two within the heart. Um, my own eternal self or soul is seated in the heart of, of each of our bodies. And then there's a, a super, super self, a super soul, and a super friend who's who's seated next to me in that heart, or um, like two two birds sitting on a tree. This is the metaphor that's given in the Svetasvatar Upanishad, that the one bird is the friend bird who's always waiting for the other little bird to turn to him in love, but the other bird, which is ourselves, is always keeps turning away and absorbed in tasting the the bitter and sweet fruits. Of this of this world, the fruits of this world, and so um, yeah, the heart is also described as as a where uh, the self is described as sitting on a, on the lotus of the heart, like a beautiful blooming lotus. So that soul, my true self, is is just sitting on the lotus of the heart, along with that super friend, um, and just as the heat of the sun opens the petals of the lotus, um, the sun of that divine love begins to open the lotus of the heart. Mm. Yeah. And 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 I feel like when we when we begin to call out in love, our heart, our hearts begin to open like that lotus, calling the name of God. There are infinite names of God that are described as being as infinite as the waves on the ocean. And that, you know, just like human beings, um, resonate when they hear the their own name called so that loving heart of god resonates hearing um his name or radha krishna hearing their names mm. um, called out in love so i think that's so beautiful beginning to hear us and to respond to us as we call out, call out in love from our, from our heart place yeah and it just it also reminds me of you know just thinking about those two birds you know the how we can forget, you know, how easy it is for us to forget and be that second bird who's turning away, you know, who turns away from that, that inner self and the distractions and the illusions and, you know, all of the things that um, we don't even realize how we're breaking our own hearts. Right, right, right. Like that outer exploration, you know, tasting what's sweet, tasting what's bitter and again and again, tasting and, and not turning back within to to turn to our own inner selves, but also that super friend who's just always there waiting for us, you know? 
Mm-hmm. And I That's think awesome. I, I also wonder in like in the West, why this is one of the reasons why yoga and meditation are becoming so important and such a big part of our culture, because when we sit quietly and we sit in stillness and we turn our attention back inward, you know, we can take what we've gathered from the external world, the beauty, the art, the suffering and, and sit with it and integrate it, bring it back in and, and, and yeah, and have that conversation with God inside, with our heart inside. Mm-hmm. Um, but we yeah. can't do that if we never return home, you know, if we're always out, if we keep venturing, you know, the blood has to return back to the heart. And I just, I see, I have a lot of friends over the years who just never came home. They're still out there. They're just mm-hmm. out there having what looks like this amazing nomadic life. But, but I, but I look and I say, you know, maybe your heart's with you. Maybe you're traveling with your heart intact, but, but also, you know, have you forgotten to go home, you know? And, and what is that, what is the importance of home, whether it's a place or um, a space inside and, and just how we can get really, yeah, we can get kind of off, uh, taken off, off the path of the heart. Right. A place of deep trust and deep love. Um, you know, I was also thinking how in Christianity, um, the Catholics Catholics talk about the sacred heart of Jesus, and they say that it's a symbol for God's boundless and passionate love for all humanity. So that place of returning, going within. You know, I'm also reminded um there's a Native American um, proverb that that if someone comes to a, I don't know if I've shared this before, but that if someone comes to a shaman in the Native American tradition uh, with depression or anxiety, that shaman would naturally say, "When did you start? Um, when did you stop singing? When did you stop dancing? When did you stop?" returning inward in solitude and when did you stop hearing stories sharing stories so these things are so intrinsic to our our, our growth our inner growth and our outer exploration but also our coming home to to inner growth mm-hmm. that's important, you know? yeah there's um a story i did want to share this is a book called um the breath of the soul by Joan Chittister. And this is a book that my grandmother gave to me. Um, Joan Chittister is a Benedictine nun. And so this book is really beautiful. It just has different chapters. So chapter 35 is on open heartedness. So I'm just going to read a little bit because it's it's so much about this journey. Um, it starts off with a, with a quote from St. Francis of Assisi. And it says, when we pray to God, we must be seeking nothing, nothing. Mm. And then then she writes, the truly prayerful person, the person adult in the way of the spirit does not pray to get things. The person of mature faith prays only to become like the one who leads us to the fullness of God. We pray to become more like Jesus, always more and more immersed in God as time goes by. A young monastic went on a long and arduous journey into the desert to see a holy one of great repute. Why did you go all that way, friends asked him when he returned. Did you go to ask the Holy One a question? No, said the young disciple. I did not ask questions. Did you beg for spiritual favor? No, said the young disciple. I did not beg for favors. Then why did you go, the friends persisted. I went to watch him sip his soup, the young monastic replied. (laughs) 
<laughs> so right these these matters these deep teachings of the heart you know we can go on you know it can be so simple it can be so simple as how you know prayer can be like that right we we just we go out and we just seek to watch how how things are done by people who have you know reached a level of advancement mm-hmm. um beautiful you know I just, I love that story of, of that open-heartedness, you know, it's like, he just trusts that in seeing this great one, just sipping his soup, that everything he needs, all the questions and all of the prayers and all of those things will be answered just in that simple act. You're reminding me in Bhagavad Gita, Arjuna also asks Krishna, you know, what are the symptoms of of a realized person? How does she sit? How does she walk? How does she act? So just to watch him sipping the soup. How beautiful. Mm. So, you know, I'm also thinking of of a beam of light, how um, with our intention to love and to call out in love, our heart begins to expand like a, a beam of light expands from its source just in infinity, you know, going out into, into the universe. And, um, you know, there's a, a beautiful Sanskrit verse where this is from the Srimad Bhagavatam or Bhagavad Purana, where Krishna says that those who call out to him, those holy people, the sadhus, are always in the core of his heart, he says. And he says he's always in, in the core of their hearts. And he says he doesn't know any anyone but them, and they don't know anyone but him. Mm-hmm. So I find that inclusive. It's not It's not exclusive. It's inclusive because all living beings like that beam of light, all living beings come from that supreme source. And so that idea of being being held in that sacred heart, sacred loving heart, being held and holding holding that sacred love in our hearts as well, you know? Yeah, yeah. There's another um, something from, from the Bhagavad Purana, maybe I can share that. So I followed this path of bhakti yoga, and it's advised that bhakti yogis should always try to meditate on the charming smile um, on the face of the uh, of the Lord within their hearts. And seeing that charming smile of the Lord, it's said, can dry up the ocean of tears that are always being shed here in this material world. There are so many issues and so many heartbreaks, so many tragedies, but just to be able to come home to that inner place in the heart and be able to meditate on that charming, um, beautiful smile of the Lord will soothe our um, the pains of this world. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just comes back to that, that returning, doesn't it? You know, that, ret- you know, going out, returning back, like, just like the, the heartbeat, as you said, and the breath that goes out, you know, and comes back this pulsation, and that, you know, to not be discouraged, you know, if we go out and we wander away for a bit, it doesn't mean you can't come back. And I love that inclusivity of the light. It's like, well, just step back in my love, you know, just come back. It's, <laughs> there's always a next inhale. You can just catch the wave. And yes. And that's so important for people who are doing good work in the world, who are, you know, doing, um, transformative work in the world. Sometimes there can be 
a sense of burnout, you know, because mm-hmm. it can always be like breathing out, breathing out, breathing out, but not coming back to that breathing in and, and nourishment. So if we are going to be serving our families, serving our communities, serving the world in so many different ways, we have to be breathing out in that way, but also be breathing in to take in that nutrition for the heart. And when you mentioned um, going going out and coming back, I, I was reminded of, um, so Arjuna is the protagonist who Krishna speaks to in Bhagavad Gita and his great mother, uh, Kunti Devi, She's one of the great um, women saints of, of the Bhagavatam. And she has a beautiful series of prayers in, in, uh, in Srimad Bhagavatam. And she talks about how uh, she just is praying to her beloved Krishna that the love of her heart will, will just always flow to him like the Ganges water. Ganges river is just flowing to the sea. Just nothing can stop that that flow of, of, of her heart to that center of her own heart, you know, so going out, but then coming back to the source that's within my very heart. Yeah. Yeah. And we were talking too about um, the connection between trust and faith, you know, and, you know, how the the path of the heart is a path of trust, you know Um, it's like, you know, when you, when you step into the ocean and, you know, you have to, and the waves are kind of rocking you, you know, you have to trust that the land is still there. You know, if you want to swim, you have to trust that the land will be there when you want to swim back and that the waves will help move you back home. Um, And so there's this book, uh, the book of qualities. My friend Christella introduced this to me many years ago by Ruth Gendler. And I'll include links to all of these books and the Bhagavad Gita in, um, in the, the description. Um, but, you know, in this book, she, she kind of outlines all of these different qualities and the quality of trust. I just love the way she described it because she talks about trust and faith, which are such qualities of the heart. So, so I'll read this and, and, and this is, she's speaking about trust as a person. Trust is the daughter of truth. She has an objective memory, neither embellishing nor denying the past. She is an ideal confidant, gracious, candid, and discreet. Trust talks to people who need to hear her. She listens to those who need to be heard. There's the ear. Mm -hmm. She sits quietly with those who are skeptical of words. Her presence is subtle, simple, and undeniable. Trust rarely buys round-trip tickets because she is never sure how long she will be gone and when she will return, right? Like, isn't that... That's this journey. It's so beautiful. Trust is at home in the desert and in the city with dolphins and tigers, with outlaws, lovers, and saints. Because she know right, because she knows she's going to be able to return. When trust bought her house, she tore out all the internal walls, strengthened the foundation, and rebuilt the door. Trust is not fragile, but she has no need to advertise her strength. She has a gambler's respect for the interplay between luck and skill. She is the mother of love. Wow, how beautiful. That's really beautiful. You know, I was reminded of the image of the heart chakra um, in in the, you know, the progression of the chakras in our bodies, that in our subtle bodies, there's this heart chakra, which is the seat of the divine and divine love, the power of love. And how we can um, 
we can as aspire to see and appreciate the from that heart-centered place to go out and see and appreciate the intrinsic value of others, um, seeing beyond our own worth or benefit, trusting that outer exploration um, to be able to come back to, to see that seat of the heart, you know. That's really beautiful. Yeah, there's a um, thinking about exploration and testing things out for ourselves. There's a story about, um, it's a folk story about Hanuman and uh, the goddess Sita. So Hanuman is the great greatest devotee of Lord Ram and his consort, the divine Sita Devi. So at one point um, after the whole ordeal of the the kidnapping of Sita and their return to their own home in um, Ayodhya, Sita wanted to show her gratitude to, to Hanuman. And she gave him a, a very precious jeweled necklace um, that was so dear to her. Uh, and he, he she wanted to show him her deepest heart's gratitude for, for rescuing her from this, um, you know, this this place where she'd been kept captive. And so he, as a monkey, he just started biting these jewels and kind of breaking this necklace. And Ram's brother Lakshman just started laughing and said, Hanuman, why are you, why are you trying to destroy this beautiful, precious necklace? Why are you doing that? You're just acting, acting like such a monkey. And <laughs> Hanuman said, I'm, I'm trying to find the, this is precious, and I'm trying to find the most precious thing, which is the name of my Lord Ram. Where is the name of my Ram in this precious necklace? And then Lakshman just started laughing more, and he's saying, well, Hanuman, why don't you just destroy your own body to see if you can find, find Ram's name in your own body? And then at that point, it's said that Hanuman just tore open his heart. And in, in the very core of his heart, there was uh, the divine Sita and the divine Ram at the very core of his heart and at the center of the love of his heart as the most precious of all precious things. More precious than the gems, the jewels, the gold was that name. Yeah. Oh, I love yeah. that. What a great, it's, yeah. It's a story. Yeah. Yeah. So then, you know, there's another something about that's also there's a, one of my favorite books is a tiny little book called The Love Locket, and it's a secret love locket. And the secret at the very end of this precious story is that um, there's a love locket, which is Radha and Krishna. They're the divine feminine and divine masculine. But the very the essence of this secret in this love locket is that they are one. They are they expand from the, like, God is one, right? So they expand from that oneness of God to share these loving pastimes and loving exchanges of love. And they're described to be like, uh, the two of them are described to be like, like two flowers that bloom from this one stem. Or like sometimes if you see a, a, a candle wick with a, like a flame with two wicks, yeah, out from that one source. So, yeah, that's kind of the um, the flames of love and the the mm. love love locket secret of of Radha and Krishna, which is very mm. precious. And that reminds me of I was going to talk about um, Damiana as a plant, and I've got mm. this deck. Um, let's see if I can. 
find them. <clears throat> Here it is. It's called the um, the Herbal Astrology Oracle. My sister-in-law gave this to me and my husband for Christmas. And it's just, it's a beautiful deck just for, you know, in, for tapping into your own intuitive guidance. Um, but this is a plant of February. So for this month, this is the herb that we've been working with both. Um, it's the herb of the month on my YouTube channel and on all my social media. And it's the herb that we've been using for this moon cycle in our roots and spheres course that my husband and I lead. And, you know, it looks like the, here's the divine masculine and feminine. You can see Mars and, um, it's uh, Mars and Venus there, and the this image of of yeah the the two is one, and this is the plant Damiana. And, and you know it said I have to interrupt and say that Krishna comes from the dynasty of the moon. Huh. He is from the dynasty of the moon. So there's Radha Krishna, the divine feminine and divine masculine. How beautiful! Beautiful, yeah. And and this herb is such a powerful one. I think because it's the herb of lovers, but it, it was traditionally used in Mexico. It's native to Mexico and Southern California and certain parts of Central America, mostly kind of in dry, arid areas. Um, but it was used traditionally for two things. One, it was used for long journeys. So we've been talking a lot about these pilgrimages. So it was used by these native people. They would brew batches of tea or cook it into their food when they would go on long journeys to keep their endurance up because it helps increase blood flow, right? There's that small circuit to the bigger circuit, right? And then um, they also used it as an aphrodisiac. Um, to help heighten their senses and heighten the sense of love and connection to others. But what I've been noticing as I've been taking this plant all month during this moon cycle is it's been heightening my relationship to myself and heightening my own sensory awareness of my body and my needs and what you know gives me pleasure, like a warm cup of tea or just laying in a sunny spot on my couch. It's like these simple little pleasures um, where I can be, you know, and they're all, they, they tend to be things that where I'm still, right? Things where I, I can tap kind of back into that center space. Mm -hmm. And so this is a great herb. It's very safe. It's pretty easy to find at most herb stores, mountain rose herbs and a few other herbal suppliers. I'll add a link if you want to try it, but it's, it has this very potent taste to it. It's, it's hard to describe. It's, it's kind of like what you might imagine, a field of flowers, sunlight, a little bit of mint, and then like perfume, if you were to mix them all together. And it doesn't, you don't need to add anything to it. it it's its a complete tea on its own. Um, and so, you know, you just add like a teaspoon to two cups of hot water. You only steep it for maybe five to seven minutes. You don't need long. It, it goes quickly. It wants to merge. It wants to merge with water very quickly. And then you take it out and you just sip it. And most people, we have about, I think about maybe 180 people in our online course right now that are taking this herb. And majority of them have found that it is deeply centering, relaxing and warming to the heart. You know, it's it's bringing them back into a creative space where they're able to tap into their own deepest needs. And I think Rukmini and you were talking about burnout, right? And yes. people, and you know, people doing good work, but then they lose touch with that homecoming and that replenishing. This herb is, is like an adaptogen. It helps the body uh, rejuvenate. It's a tonic. 
It helps the body adapt to stress. So this would be like, I think of all the herbs in my toolbox, I think this would be a great herb for February. It's the lovers, but we don't necessarily have to have a partner, you know, a physical partner to do the work of the lover. And I think that's what Bhakti teaches us too, is that internal merging of the divine masculine and feminine. Um, and if you have a partner, then, you know, there's certainly benefits <laughs> too that could be explored. Um, but, but it's not necessary. And, and, and I, I, I think this plant just really has a lot to offer. So, um, you can check out my, my, uh, herb of the month YouTube video, if you want to learn more, um, Rukmini with that, I think we are, we are rounding the corner to the end and you had a, I know you had a few other things to share. Um, yeah, I have, there's, there's one um, charming story of the monkey and the crocodile. So this monkey, um, lived in a jambu tree. This is an old ancient story from India. So the monkey lives in a jambu tree, but he had a friend who was a crocodile, who was a creature of the water. And they used to, the crocodile would come up and sun himself, and they used to talk and talk and discuss philosophy and discuss the world and so many things. And after some time, the, the crocodile said to the monkey, you know, we've been friends for so long, and you've never come home to meet my wife, and I'd love for you to come home to meet my wife. And so the, the monkey said, but how is that possible? I'm a creature of the land. My home is in my jumbo tree. And your home is deep in the water. And the crocodile said, well, just jump on my back and I'll, I'll take you home to meet my wife. And so the trusting monkey um, said, all right, well, I'll try. And he jumped on the crocodile's back and the crocodile started swimming faster and faster, swimming into the center of the river, way, way, way far away from that monkey's jumbo tree. And finally, when he was so far from that monkey's tree, the crocodile said, aha, you foolish monkey, I'm going to take you to the bottom of the river and eat your heart out. And the monkey said, oh, my friend, you should have told me before we left, because whenever I go out on a journey, I always leave my heart at home mm. in my jumbo tree. So you have to take me back up the river so that I can get my heart for you from the tree where I left it. So the crocodile, hmm, all right. So the crocodile swam back, back, back up the river. And when they got to the monkey's tree, the monkey jumped up on high up onto the tree and said, ha, you evil crocodile, I am not coming back down. And I always leave my heart here at home in my jumbo tree. So the moral of the story is that as we tread lightly on the, on the earth and wherever we journey out um, in our travels or pilgrimages or circular or outward journeys, we have to always leave our heart at home. Um, I would say with Krishna or with divinity, as you see divinity, you know. But that's a so protector. That's, you, there's like an innate protection that's for right. all those journeys, you know, when your heart's nested in the right place. That's right. Leave your heart at home with divinity wherever you travel in this world. And then I had one more um, precious heart treasure that I'd like to share. This is a beautiful love poem from E.E. E. Cummings. And it can be seen in different ways. We've been talking about different perspectives on, on this beautiful herb, different perspectives on divinity. Um, so we could see it as, as a love poem to someone's beloved, or it could also be, be read or heard as a, as a love poem to the Supreme Beloved. So let me share it with you. He says, I carry your heart with me 
I carry it in my heart. I am never without it. Anywhere I go, you go, my dear. And whatever is done is only me, is your doing, my darling. Fear no fate, for you are my fate, my sweet. I want no world, for beautiful, you are my world, my true. And it's you are whatever a moon has always meant. And whatever a sun will always sing is you. Here is the deepest secret nobody knows. Here is the root of the root and the bud of the bud and the sky of the sky of a tree called life, which grows higher than soul can hope or mind can hide. And this is the wonder that's keeping the stars apart. I carry your heart. I carry it in my heart. Mm. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. That what a beautiful, what a beautiful sharing time we've had. What a beautiful poem to end with. And yeah, I just I love the circularity. You know, I think you always <laughs> say that love is a circle. You I, right. you say that a lot, and I, I feel like this conversation has been all these little eddies of circles, you know, intersecting circles, coming back to the heart and coming back to what really matters, which is our relationship with the divine, you know, that highest part of ourselves, the most mystical, beautiful images of God that we can muster up, you know? Um, and I, yeah, it, it's so comforting. You know, I think there's so much heartbreak out there but I love, I love the idea that there's always home, you know, there's always, there's all these different ways that we can come home. So, yeah, that's so beautiful, you know, and yeah, to me, love is round. It keeps going around. It keeps coming back to its source, you know? Mm -hmm. So just like the river always goes to its source, as Kunti said. So, um, yeah, you know, we can keep pulling in those disparate parts of ourselves, keep pulling them into the center, to that place of, of heart center. So thank you so much. This has been a, another precious, cherished conversation. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Rikmini. Thank you yeah. to our listeners. Please do leave us comments. Um, let us know what you think. Let us know your takeaways. We always love to hear kind of what stood out to you and the pieces that you might integrate into your lives and into your journey of the heart. And please tune in next month. We'll have more magical conversations uh, that will be brewing up for you all. So take good care of yourselves, your hearts, and we'll see you all again soon. Yes. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs>